Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hawkcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast. Definitely today brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by publisher Adam Jacoby and Ross Binder, our managing editor, as always, here on Hawkcast. Very fun one ahead. We're breaking down the entire 2024 recruiting class, including your favorite recruit, Reese Dakin, I think is how you pronounce it. The guy, the punter from Australia, another one coming over from Pro Kick. Uh, so excited to see what he can do as a Hawkeye, of course. But 20 other guys on scholarship, plus a few walk-ons that we might hit if we have some time. But breaking down the entire class today, and uh, you can find more from us on this topic on iowa.rivals.com. If you're a premium subscriber, you're going to get more content, sleepers, most excited about preview position, or excuse me, position previews for each or not each position, but some of these main positions with lots of guys coming in. So that'll be coming for our premium subscribers here soon. Today, we'll hit a few segments, I suppose, of, of guys we're most excited about, sleepers, guys who can make the most impact as freshmen. And so, Adam, always started off with you. Who are you most excited about in this 2024 recruiting class? Well, Elliot, you have to start with the quarterback, right? And especially you have to start with a quarterback like James Reeser, because we're talking about a guy who is adding elements to the Iowa offense, potentially, if he's under center, that have really been missing from this Hawkeye attack, especially over the last decade or so. We're talking about, uh, uh, we're talking about a guy with track star speed, uh, I know that his goal is to get down to like a 10, 600 meter dash. He's so already he's around 10, can... 6. Oh, he's already down to 10, 6. Okay. 10, yeah. 10 6, 7. Uh, Tyler on, on the uh, call today, we spoke to Tyler Barnes, recruiting coordinator at Iowa. He said that they believe because he ran 10, 6, 7 while injured, that he can run under 10, 5 this year. Uh, I was a walk on track athlete at UNI, and I ran 11, 2, 5. Fully healthy. So he's fast. And that's exactly what this offense needs. Because once linebackers, secondary players, anybody who's got to keep eyes on the quarterback, once they don't know for certain what the QB is going to do, it affects the way that they make their decisions in coverage and stepping up, changing levels, all of that adds uncertainty to the defense. And when you do that to the defense, you can start to create your own holes. Some things will be easier. Running between the tackles will be easier because all of a sudden they can't crash to a certain point of attack. You could even start to excuse me, incorporate some RPOs with a quarterback like that, depending on who the OC is coming in. You know, obviously it's going to require a little bit of a, shall we say, philosophical change from the Iowa offense from what had come prior. But one thing that Kirk Ferentz said was that he's not really going to make those determinations on X's and O's, or as he called them A's, B's and C's for these new coaches. He wants that, you know, he wants a mesh, but ultimately the schematic stuff is going to be up to the new coordinator. So if the new coordinator looks at a QB like Reaser and says, yeah, we could run some RPO stuff with that. Guess what's going in the offense? So all of that will contribute to the Iowa offense 
being more difficult to figure out pre-snap, more difficult to cover. And boy, I know Hawkeye fans are aching for a situation like that. Uh, Ross, who are you most excited about? Well, you guys told me I couldn't cheat and just say all of the linebackers. So I'm going to go with just Cam Buffington. Um, you know, he is, there's a couple of guys that kind of fit that same profile that he has, which is, you know, the small town, small school guy that uh, did a little bit of everything, was all over the field on offense and defense. And um, that just was insanely, ridiculously productive at that high school level. And, you know, they're coming to Iowa, they're going to get to focus on one side of the ball. Uh, Buffington's going to be on defense, going to be a linebacker. Um, and, you know, we've seen before when guys really get a chance to focus on just one thing and really own their, you know, hone their craft in that one area, uh, they can really make some big leaps um, and just become really excellent players. Uh, so I'm kind of looking for Buffington to uh, to do this, uh, do that, um, whether that's next year or in a year or two, that's kind of TBD probably. Um, probably TBD as much as, you know, figuring out who's coming back at linebacker. Um, that's that's a big question, certainly, for after the bowl game with Jay Higgins and and a couple other guys. So, you know, there may be a lot of opportunity at linebacker next year or there may only be, you know, more limited opportunity. But Buffington is a guy who, you know, even if he's not on the field on defense, special teams definitely seems like uh, an area where we'll see him uh, possibly early and often. So uh, that's where I'm uh, I'm looking at. Elliot, what do you got? Well, uh, breaking news, KJ Parker got his letter of intent in, so we can publish that article while uh, we're here. Ross, if you want to handle that while we're speaking, that would be awesome. Um, I know he was your article, right? Yes. There we go. Perfect. And they just added another preferred walk-on in Ethan Agakon, I want to say, is how to pronounce his name. He's a FCS, former FCS commit to St. Thomas uh, up there in Minneapolis. Pretty solid program, but they are uh, part of the Pioneer League where they don't offer scholarships, and it's a private school, so it makes a hell of a lot of sense for him to flip his commitment to a, being a preferred walk-on at Iowa. He is, a, I believe, a defensive He's a defensive end. He had offers from Fordham, Holy Cross, Indiana State, South Dakota, St. Thomas, and Western Illinois, along with interest from a bunch of other schools all over the country. He's 6'2", 240, so another walk-on. That's their 11th walk-on in this class, I believe, or 10th. Um, so some breaking news while we're talking uh, recruiting here on on uh, Hotcast, and I'll get this tweeted out once I'm done talking about who I'm all excited about. And number one for me, we wrote these articles earlier on about who we're most excited about. We wrote that this summer when a good chunk of the class was already done. I think it was before the season started. And my picks were James Reeser, who Adam Jacoby just mentioned. And then I think it was Devin Kennedy was my other one. And, and spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit as well. But as things have developed, as I've continued to watch film, I think the number one guy I'm most excited about at this moment in time has got to be Gavin Hoffman. He and Michael Burt coming in as tight ends in this 2024 class. Hoffman is a big athletic guy who does it on the basketball court as well. 
And I'm not going to say he's going to be Antonio Gates or Tony Gonzalez, but they were good at basketball too. That's all I'm saying. Gavin Hoffman, uh, a guy who can go up and get it uh, on a consistent basis. He's also got speed for his size and he's enrolling early. Very excited about what he's going to do with this group. He's the only scholarship guy that's enrolling early. He's shown that he can run routes like a receiver. He's talked about being willing to block. He was very high on on Iowa from the get-go. And I honestly, after the first conversation we had, though he was pretty sought after by places like Mizzou, like Arizona State, felt like he was leaning Iowa. And it was because of the NFL pedigree that that Iowa has tied to being tight end you. So I, I could very well see him being the next guy up. I think having the spring is going to be really important for him just to get ahead. Um, like I said, he's the only guy who's on scholarship that's going to do that. You know, I, I'm not saying he's going to play right away by any means, but having that extra spring to get involved, to get to know guys, to catch passes from Mark more than likely Marco or Deacon, as opposed to Cade McNamara, though I'm sure they'll all run, run drills together and stuff like that. I think he has the potential to be a more so Sam Laporta than a Luke Lachey. Um, just by looking at him and seeing what he's done. He played wide receiver pr- prior to playing tight end. So he's a 5'7 for us. He's a four-star at a few other sites. But I, I, I would have him as a four-star if it were up to me. Up to me, We only have two four-stars. Um, for, for rivals, we only have four-stars, two four-stars <laughs> in, in Iowa's 2024 class in Cody Fox and Will Nolan. But he is a 5'7". He's that sort of fringe, almost four-star. You throw uh, Derek Weisskopf in that, into that category. You throw Joseph Anderson into that category as well. But Hoffman is a guy that I think will look back at, at these ratings like we kind of do right now with Addison Ostrenga, who was a 5'5", and say, ooh, maybe he should have been a four-star. Yeah, I get that same sense when I look at the film for uh, these tight ends. Uh, in particular, Hoffman has that level of polish even though the the productivity isn't quite there you know it's not all american productivity but we're still talking about a guy with 22 catches six scores and it's really jumps off the film as as a guy who's going to be a matchup problem at the next level and this really starts to feel like the sort of class where iowa solidifies itself as teu Right, you look back at some of these last few classes, and they're bringing in guys that have this sort of high upside, but a lot of them haven't really panned out. You see Iowa, you know, picking guys up off of the portal, and you know, guys with high upside in and of themselves. But this looks like a step up in quality in terms of the upside, in terms of how quickly I think they're going to be able to get on the field. I mean, gosh often looks like a future NFL player in, in terms of the skills that he's got. He's got to put it all together. Got to, you know, get used to college first. We're not making any guarantees here, but boy, when, you know, this is really what you would hope for from a program that is starting to base its reputation on a certain uh, position group. <laughs> that and punter right and you know you you see what they're doing at punter well little spoiler alert there too but yeah this is this feels like a teu class for one of the first times doesn't it yeah i mean i i really like michael burt too um both of these tight ends you know they weren't the first tight ends that iowa offered but they were in that 
you know, category where they see them and it's like, oh, we can make something out of that. Michael Burt being one of them, uh, one of these Omaha's, so to speak, came out of Omaha, um, chose Iowa over offers from Nebraska, late offers from Nebraska and Minnesota. He was about this close to being an FCS tight end. And then Iowa swooped in. I, I maybe had a group of five offers too. I know he had FCS offers. I'd have to look, but Iowa offered him. And then uh, I think Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois, Mizzou. I, I'd, I'd have to look again, but it was nuts the way that that transpired in his recruitment. Um, I'm, I'm looking at his profile as we speak just to double check, but um, he's a guy that I think can really be a Luke Lachey type. I already referenced him once, but he's a guy that's going to fill out, going to block, going to catch passes, going to do a little bit of everything. Whereas I see Hoffman as more of a, wide receiver tight end combo that at, at this moment, obviously all of these things could develop in different ways, but I see Bert as a guy who's going to step in and, and block more so. Um, so yeah, prior to Iowa's offer, his other offers were Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois, UNI, South Dakota, South Dakota state and SEMO um, Southeast Missouri state. For those of you who don't know who SEMO is, but Illinois, Miami and Nebraska, or excuse me, Illinois, uh, Minnesota, Nebraska, came in and offered right bam like minutes after Iowa did. So obviously got to be excited about the the tight end position when you're talking about Iowa. Um both class act kids. I'm a big fan of of Bert and and Hoffman. Um I texted a group of these guys after they all signed and they were they both immediately responded to me too. Um so big fans of, of them and I got to hit on on James Reeser and Cam Buffington here as well as the local recruiting analyst. Reezer is a, what did Kirk say today? Mature, professional guy as that quarterback. And that's what you need at quarterback, right? He's mature. He's professional. He connects to guys. And he isn't exactly polished as a passer passer right now. But when you're talking about being under 10-5 as a quarterback, that's something you can work with offensively. Wow. That is nuts. And he can throw the ball. He's throwing it right now. He he, uh, told me when I first interviewed him um, that he it was cold like one day in Florida last year. It was like 20 degrees somehow, some way or another, maybe 30. And he went outside to throw with his dad because he needed to test it out. <laughs> so and he's originally his family's from Wisconsin. So, um, you know, Big Ten country, uh, they uh, they've been on uh, several visits, despite the fact that it is so far away, including that on that official visit in June. Um and he's a guy that may have very well almost not ended up at Iowa this late in the recruiting cycle. He's a big fan of Brian Ferentz. Um, do with that information what you will. Big fan of Brian Ferentz. And I texted him right after that news came out. And I said, what's you got any thoughts and any, anything you're thinking? He said, no comment. Um, and ultimately, Kirk called him and and they got on the same page and he's sticking with his commitment. He signed this morning. So uh, and, and a bunch of really you know, blue blood programs were starting to look at him. He got to a point where he was telling his coach, I don't want to hear from anybody else. Got an offer after Iowa from Tulane, North Carolina. I think Wake Forest was in there as well. Um, some some schools that have some football ped- pedigree and some other schools that he didn't put on Twitter because they didn't offer it because he said Iowa's it. And, and he stuck with his commitment. Then you look at Cam Buffington, athletic freak, especially for being an eight-man football Went and watched him at uh, state football, and we'll have a preview for the linebacker group between he, Weisskopf, 
and Reese and went and watched him at state football for eight man. And the, uh, the dichotomy of athletes in eight man football between Cam Buffington and a freshman who looked like he was 12. Oh my Lanta. I was like, Oh my gosh, please stand next to next to each other. Oh my gosh, please stand next to each other so I can get a photo. Um, but Cam is thick. He's one of those guys you look at and you think, oh, my God, please don't be the guy to tackle me. He's a guy that could step in and play Mike. Um, he's a little bit quieter, so maybe Will and, and play that play the Will and, and Derek Weisskopf steps up into the mic just because of that difference of personality. Um, but Cam is a guy you look at and you can tell that there's a difference between him and the average high school athlete. He's he's big. He handles his weight well, and um, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of the way that he plays football. He's just a head you know head down, nose to the grindstone, tackle you, make you hurt, and get up and go back to his spot. So um, it's it's hard for me not to be excited about a guy like like Cam Buffington, who also was a state champion and I think in long jump or Drake champion in long jump, one of the two. I think it was state. Um, who was more inclined to talk about football than track the day that he won a state state championship in, in long jump. Um, but let, let's move on here. Ross, I'll, I'll go back to you. Who's the guy that you think you can, or that you think can, can make the most impact early on in, in his career in Iowa city. Yeah, I think that the most impact early on, um, I kind of targeted Jalen Watson. I think he can, uh, really have a strong impact uh, right from the jump. Uh, I think he's, you know, a guy that uh, just has so much talent and uh, so much ability that I think he's going to be, you know, someone that they can, um, you know, look to fill in and contribute right away. Um, so that's the guy that I am. Yeah, I mean, I know he's – he's kind of been, you know, focused more receiver and they have uh, eyed him for defensive back instead. Uh, so there will be a transition, you know, there and, you know, he might not be the, you know, able to contribute right away, but I, I don't think that transition is going to be too long for him. And I, I think he'll be uh, making appearances sooner rather than later. I think a couple yeah. things on that, if I if I could just drop in on that, uh, Adam, and then then we'll go to you regarding Watson. Um, if you, anybody has watched his film, the dude is elite on both sides of the football. He allowed one pass caught as a DB this season. One. Had four pass breakups, um, and I think he put up unreal stats as, as a receiver. Yeah, as a receiver, too. And... You know, why I agree with you that he'll make an impact early on Ross is because he doesn't necessarily have to do it at DB. He can do it on special teams where he's learning to make that flip. That's how he's going to get playing time early on is because you're a gunner, get down and make the tackle. That's really, I mean, in put it to put it in layman's terms, right? You just fire off the ball, go down, and make a tackle. And if you can fill that sort of John Nestor role this year on special teams, he can be the new John Nestor, so to speak. Um, and I think he's eventually a guy that can return punts as well. There's a few of these guys in this class. Uh, Tyler Barnes kind of alluded to it today. It sounded like they thought they had the type of playmaker he was at receiver in KJ Parker. So they didn't really feel like they needed 
to go after him as a, as a receiver. They liked that he had the ability to flip to the other side of the ball. KJ Parker was actually initially recruited by Iowa as a DB. Then they flipped to recruiting him as a receiver. But Watson is one, he's really smart. He's a good communicator and he freaking loves football. Like I I'm sure all these guys love football, but I know Jalen Watson loves football. He's damn good at it. And I think he can do it in three different ways. Um, he's not going to play receiver more than likely. Uh, they, that's what they told him during the recruiting process is we're bringing in as a DB. He wants to learn from Phil Parker. He he wants to come in and, you know, if he can learn from Cooper DeGene, he'd love to learn from Cooper DeGene, really connected with him, really connected with Xavier Wampa as well. Um, and I think special teams is where he comes in because he's a freshman, one, and two, because he is flipping positions. Granted, he did play DB this this year to t- try to prepare uh, for, for doing that at the college level. But I think that's where he comes in because he is making that transition. He can just hop in on special teams, go down there, make a tackle. You want to work on tackling with him a lot because he is a receiver flipping the DB. Your receivers don't always love to to hit or to be hit. Um, but I, he, I mean, they fl- they flipped him positions for a reason. He believes in Phil Parker. He believes in what Iowa does. And when you have that type of buy-in early, and to me, if he was not at Catholic school, he would enroll early based on what I know of Jalen Watson. You can't do that at Catholic school, but if he could, he would. And so I, I like what I've seen from him. And uh, when you put that down on the list, Ross, I was like, yep, you got it. You nailed it. So um, Adam, I'll, I'll let you go here. One really quick thing to add about Jalen Watson. When we were talking with Tyler Barnes today, uh, he could not say enough about the type of athleticism that Watson had on film. Uh, said he was a super smooth runner. And that's something that really translates well and does not take a whole lot of time to move from receiver to cornerback. I, I really do think that we're going to see Watson on a uh, 2D very quickly. And speaking of being able to get onto the field as soon as possible on special teams, that's something that I talked to Brevin Dahl about today. Uh, and he mentioned that he would be all in on joining that special team staff, not only as a returner, but as a gunner. And we've seen that Iowa can make some stars out of gunners. You know, you know, you look at a Terry Roberts, you look at uh, Cooper DeGene, you know, not only a return specialist, but a guy who can also help make plays and shore up that sort of weapon that they've got at punter. So that's why my pick is Brevin Dahl, because he is a prospect that has that same level of like, oh, wow, athleticism but also has that motivation to get on the field on special teams, whether it's with the ball in his hands or not. You know, he's a guy that really wants to be a team first uh, contributor. So obviously walking into a backfield like this, that has five guys who've, who have been on the field and who have been in the rotation. And to the best of our knowledge, none of them are leaving. So that is if if Brevin is in the two deeps at running back next year, something has gone amazingly right with him or amazingly wrong with the rest of the backfield and probably more likely the latter. So we don't want necessarily, like I don't think fans should want to see that level of instant impact from him in the backfield, but he is absolutely physically capable of making that impact on special teams. And I talked to him, uh, also about his broken arm, he said that he was cleared uh, yesterday, which was pretty close to three months to the day after that break. He said he's got a plate in his arm, or excuse me, two plates in his arm. And they feel good for now. 
and it's sort of up to the staff in, in terms of whether or not he keeps them long term. But, you know, by and large, he's a guy who will be ready to contribute as soon as fall camp starts. And he's a guy who's motivated to contribute and who has the athleticism to contribute. Boy, it's it's hard not to see him finding a way into some role quicker, sooner rather than later. One thing I'll add too, uh, Adam, when you mentioned being a gunner and tackling, he, I believe, got a scholarship offer from Oklahoma State later on in his recruitment. Uh, basically, when Iowa offered, we all kind of could tell it was a done deal. Um, he waited a while, but once the pressure was on and Xavier Williams committed, he was like, okay, I'm in. Because it was between those two and Titus Cram. Cram obviously going to UNI now. He signed his letter of intent today. He's a stud from from Bondurant. Um, but brought in Brevin Dahl. And that offer from Oklahoma State, they saw him as a linebacker, believe it or not. They wanted him, uh, they wanted speed. And I think Minnesota. And one of the other two schools saw him as a as a DB as well. So he has a willingness to to tackle, willingness to um, go out there and, and hit somebody. He's a football player. He's a wild athlete with the ball in his hands. As um, long as he can stay healthy, healthy, he's going to contribute somewhere uh, sooner rather than later. Um, so I, I Brevin's a, a kid that is you just watch him on the football field and you you have fun. Uh, so to speak, he and that that duo, him and Aiden Flora, um, probably would have made a push for a three A title this year if four uh, A, four A now, yeah, used 4A. to be three A, right? Would have made a push for a four A title if um, if Brevin hadn't gotten hurt. Flora almost got him there himself. But for me, when we're talking about most impact right away, I really like those two choices. Once Ross got Jalen Watson, I was like, oh, damn it. Because that's who I was going to go with, but I did want to defer to to you guys to to have those choices first, and so I went with I went with Chima Chineki. Uh, he's a he's a recruit from Plano East in in Texas, um, right in Texas Tech's backyard. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, Texas Tech was a real player in his recruitment. Uh, Oklahoma State, another school that was a real player in his re- recruitment. He very well could have ended up there if uh, they had started recruiting him earlier, but Iowa is was in on him earlier. He really liked the relationship he had. Said Kansas was his dream school and didn't go to Kansas because they saw him as a defensive tackle and not as a defensive end. So that is going to be something to, to watch going forward. He wants to play defensive end. I see Devin Kennedy more so as a D tackle, so that's where he fills in. Um, and I think they'll probably do some mixing and matching between classes with, with that D tackle spot. But... For Chinecki, I would say that he would also make some sort of impact on special teams. Notice a theme here. That's really where freshmen are, are going to be seen more than light, more often than not at Iowa, unless you're a all-world running back. <laughs> like Caleb Johnson came in and, compl- and played right away because he was he was ready. He was physically ready. That's not really their MO with the guys they go after. Um, it, it's It's development, right? So I don't necessarily look at this class and say, that guy's playing right away, even though I kind of sound like that when I'm talking about Jalen Watson. But with Chima Chineki, for him, it's it's the physical tools. Again, he's a guy that's going to get a lot bigger, and I think he's going to get a lot bigger quickly, quite long, as Adam is motioning right now. And I think that that length, that experience in football, the raw talent that he possesses, puts him potentially in a position to where he could be 
I don't want to say Ontario Thompson because I don't want, I don't want to put that pressure on him Two, He's not that athletic. Ontario Thompson is a freak, but Chima could come in if he puts on a lot of weight and he puts it on fast, say it, well, his, his off season has started. I, I think he's going to play basketball. He's previously played basketball. So going to be a little bit difficult to put on that weight. He also does. I think he throws and track. So he's not going to look to put on weight right away, right? He's going to focus on those sports. Once you get to the summer, He's going to be lifting. He's going to be putting on pounds. And maybe throughout the season as he continues to learn how he can impact the game in that third phase, in special teams, he could be that guy you look to and say, hey, go block one. It's it's really the length. It's the height. It's, uh, you know, maybe maybe on, on field goal unit, you know, blocking field goals. Get him up there in the air, try to block something. Um, so, so that's where I see Chima Janaki possibly uh, getting in and, and making an impact there on um on on special teams and then you know this last year it was ben keeter that we were all talking about shocker he didn't i don't think did he play a snap this year i I believe so so. yeah (laughs) that's who we were all saying so yeah to start the season so our guess is as good as yours (laughs) we really don't know and it was john nestor and jerry at Bowie who were who were seeing some time out there as true freshman Zach this Ortworth. last year, Zach Ortworth. Exactly. So um, we'll, we'll see. And, and obviously injuries have so much to do with that. That's why Zach Ortworth was out there. Nestor just came in and was a football guy. And if you're thinking just a football guy, then we're talking about Preston Reese probably because I look at Reese and I don't see necessarily athlete. What I see is a football player, a guy who will go in there, take the hits, he played damn near every snap for Monticello this year, was the max prep player of the year, played quarterback, played linebacker. Uh, and in the playoff game, I went to go watch them. Uh, they played, uh, oh gosh, who'd they play? Um, it's where, uh, it, Mediapolis. They played Mediapolis, scored five touchdowns, and they won, I think, like 34-31 or something like that. It was wild. Um, and he had the game, essentially the game winning uh QB hurry on uh, Minneapolis's last drive. So does everything. I think he's the all-time leader in yards, all-purpose yards in, in Iowa history now past uh, Hunter Deckers. So like if there's a guy that's a football guy that is, you know, going to be that next John Nestor, so to speak, I would see Preston Reese sort of filling that role. I don't look at these offensive linemen and think at that. I don't necessarily look at, um, the defensive linemen, because those are two positions you really have to develop in. Um, but if it is a linebacker, I see Reese potentially doing it. I see Weisskopf potentially doing it because he's an All-American. Like, there are so many w- different ways these, this thing can go, especially because of portal and injuries and what have you. It's just the attrition of the season. Um, and And their mentality coming in is a really big part of it. Yeah, the one thing that I'll say about Schnecke is you watch it. All you have to do is just watch him on film. And the the comp that jumps out to me is Lucas Van Ness. Because we're talking about that just relentless, long arms, that that uh, acceleration, with especially within that, like, 10-yard window. Or, you know, as soon as he's got that open shot at the QB, all he needs is that one step and the lineman is already out of the equation. That was a big part of what made Van Ness so impactful. And boy, Tanecki does not seem very far away from that at all right now. 
And yeah, it's going to take him a little bit to get some weight on, but I mean, all he probably needs is 20 pounds to get to 260, and that won't take that long. He, he doesn't look like a guy. Um, I mean, Barnes even said, you know, he's going to put weight on in a hurry. So, you know, I, I don't think he's going to run into very many physical problems in terms of being able to be ready on the field. And really, once he puts it all together, you know, he looks like the guy in this class who is the most likely to be that uh, Lucas Van Ness, like, done in three years. Like, <laughs> NFL's like, all right, that's enough. That's enough. Let's let's get him on. But, yep. So, yeah, I, I think that he's a guy who really, if, if you want to talk about an impact from the defensive end, um, like a quick impact from the defensive line, that's what that looks like. And Chinecki would be at the top of my list. So, good call. Now we'll move on here to sleepers in the class. Um, and I think that we're all kind of on the same page for a couple of these guys. But Adam, I want to hear from you on on Joseph Anderson, a guy that that I would consider to be in definitely a sleeper spot just because of the the frame and his ability to, well, I'll say the the raw ability. I'll say that he's also the son of a former NFL player, um, and and so I'll, I'll just I'll let you go here and and tell me what you like about Anderson and why you think he's a sleeper. Yeah, I don't consider him a sleeper in terms of the recruiting profile necessarily, just because we're talking about a guy that had a bunch of offers and and even from the you know the likes of Nebraska, Kansas State. I like these are Power Five offers, so it's not like he was flying all the way under the radar but i you know he seems even more along the lines of a um you know chinecki i i think he's probably going to have a little bit more development in front of him just because his his skills are just that little bit raw uh and and so you know he's a guy that i don't expect to see on a two deep next year or maybe even the year after that but you look at talents like that, you look at his burst off the edge, you look at all those things that honestly were a little bit missing from the Iowa pass rush this year. And that's no disrespect to the likes of, you know, Joe Evans or even Deontay Craig, uh, but that long, that disruptive, that gets his hands up and all of a sudden that pass out to the flat isn't there anymore. That's something that Anderson can can bring. And if he's got the patience, can wait his turn and, and doesn't have any of these other power five schools being like, you're fourth on the depth chart? You're the fourth string Russian? Yeah, we'll, we'll promise you a second, right? That's, that's always going to be part of this little dance with guys that are these fleeper prospects. And he's got a lot of coaches who are big fans of him. But if he sticks around, and really develops and cultivates those skills that he's got. Oh my goodness. Like we could be talking about the defensive line of this class being on par with units like the offensive line and the linebackers and the coaches are over the moon about those positions as of right now. So, I mean, I, I it really looks like the upside potential uh, there, there's a 2003 NBA term, but it really looks like the upside potential of especially all these defensive ends is tremendous. And and I think this is the program to unlock that potential. 
Ross, we hit on Michael Burt a little bit ago, but what are your thoughts on on him and and why do you have him as a sleeper in this class? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's just a sleeper for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, he's kind of a little bit overshadowed by Gavin Hoffman as the other tight end in the class. Hoffman was a little bit higher rated, got, you know, a few more uh, more offers from, you know, more uh, big schools, uh, more national, uh, you know, spread of offers as well. Um, Hoffman is more productive in high school too. So, like, you know, I think he's kind of, Kind of got that, um, you know, he's the other tight end, as it were. And that's not a slight on him at all. Um, it's just, you know, I think Hoffman is the tight end that people have really been uh, getting excited about. But, you know, Burst seems like a tight end that, uh, you know, especially at Iowa, he'll be able to, you know, develop and, uh, you know, learn from just, you know, so many great players at that position. Uh, and the the coaching that has you know helped them develop, that I think he can really um, you know might take him a year or two, but I think he's got a lot of potential to develop into yet another you know really strong Iowa tight end. That uh, and, you know you mentioned his all around ability that you know he's not uh, just a pass catcher. He he does have that ability as a blocker, uh, so he can get on the field uh, for a lot more snaps that way if he's able to. Uh, to block effectively. That's definitely something at Iowa that uh, if you can't block as a tight end, it's going to be really hard for you to get much time with Kirk Ferentz. So if you're able to block, uh, you will get on his good side and you will get on the field sooner rather than later. Um, you know, and as far as like, you know, the production at high school wasn't there for Burt. You know, he didn't even have 300 yards uh, receiving this past season. Um which, you know, you'd like to obviously see a little bit more there. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and, you know, but I think he's a guy that he's he's got the tools, he's got the skill set. Um, you know, and just give him some time with that Iowa tight end development. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think will, you know, a year or two from now will be, you know, looking at that that guy on the field and like, oh, was that, is that, who's that number? Oh, that's Bert. Okay, yeah, that makes sense that, you know, he's really starting to break out now. So that's why I went with him. Now, for me, I I wrote previously about Kennedy being a guy that I'm most excited about in this class, Devin Kennedy. And I think I'm, to a degree, most excited about him because of the sleeper potential that he has. And he's only played football for two seasons like Joseph Anderson has only played for three. So Iowa really bringing in guys that they see as, Hey, if we hit, if he hits, he's gonna hit literally and metaphorically. And with Kennedy, he's the son of a former NFL first round draft pick, Jimmy Kennedy. You might recognize the name out of Penn state. And his dad actually is thrilled that he's going to Iowa now that they, um, Went on a visit. He got to know the staff and and such. And LeVar Woods did some work down there in Arizona where he uh, played previously. But with Kennedy, you see the potential, one, because of the fact that he's only played football for two years. His first year, not productive, like, at all. <laughs> when I wrote about the article uh, regarding his, um, his, his offer, his decision to commit, um, 
well, one, the first thing that stood out is what Tyler Barnes said today. Talking to him, he doesn't sound like an 18-year-old. He sounds like he's 40. Oh, wow, 100% retweet guaranteed. I talked to him, and it was it was one of the most eye-opening conversations that I've ever had with a recruit in like, are you sure you're 18? Anyway, just the way he 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 communicated was was incredible. And I think those types of things are very indicative as to what type of parenting you have. Obviously, Jimmy and, and his wife have done a really good job with with Devin and, and, and Devin, Devin's mother. But he went from 12 tackles, two and a half tackles for a loss and one and a half sacks as a junior to 49 tackles, eight and a half tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks, two forced fumbles and 18 quarterback hurries as a senior. Between his junior and senior season, he gained 50 pounds. Now, what he was doing before bed in order to gain this weight, and it's healthy weight. He didn't add a gut. He added healthy weight. He told me he felt even faster now than he did when he was 50 pounds lighter. He feels more fluid. So in putting on that 50 pounds, what he was doing every night before bed was eating two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and drinking a glass of whole milk. And that's how you do it, kids. That's how you do it. He was pretty slight of frame, a basketball player that ultimately flipped to playing football. Um, and and you really saw the potential this season. A couple schools that went after him, Oregon State, Penn State. Um, I think Illinois offered him as well. This is a kid that will continue to learn football He's a communicator that's a lot like Coach Kelvin Bell. I think they will vibe and be like BFFs when he's on campus. I, I think he, uh, Coach Bell is the man, FYI, for those of you who, who haven't met or talked to Coach Kelvin Bell, defensive line coach. Coach Bell is the man. I'm a big fan. Um, and, and Devin Kennedy has just the type of personality to where he's willing to learn. He picks things up quickly, and he's got the genetics, and he's fresh to the sport. So, one thing that I've heard previously about a coach is, or from a coach about a player is that he's not coming in with bad habits. He's not a guy that was just bigger than everybody else and could dominate and didn't have to rely on some of these technical things. Well, to a degree, he, he probably had that coming out of Brophy Prep in Phoenix, but it's two years. You can get rid of those habits, gone, done. You work with him for a week, two months, whatever it is, offseason, Kelvin Bell will get him right <laughs> for multiple years. He's probably going to redshirt right away just for developmental purposes. This is a guy that'll come in and and I think down the road could be an elite pass rusher. Adam, it sounded it looked like you uh, had something you wanted to add there. Yeah, I'll point out about um, Devin's uh, nutrition habits is I've been eating midnight PBJs for decades and I'm like, you do have to exercise too. I, it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it just sort of defeats the purpose. But in, in seriousness, one thing that Devin said uh, after getting his offer, and I think after um, uh, committing to it, is he chose Iowa because Iowa gives him the best shot of going to the NFL. And again, Elliot, like you mentioned, his dad went to Penn State, went to the NFL, first round draft pick, and his dad was still on board with, yep. I was this kid's best shot at the NFL. And that's with a Penn State offer, too. It's not like he got snubbed. This, this wasn't sour grapes. This is the developmental program flexing its muscles and taking a legacy recruit straight from, from Penn State. I always thought that was pretty impressive. 
Now we'll wrap up there on, on these categories, Ross. I know you got to get going. Um, if you got to go, you got to go. No problem at all. Uh, there are a few names that we do need to hit on Adam and, and, and yeah, Ross is out. See you, Ross, Adam, before we get out of here, talk to you guys that we maybe talked about briefly, but didn't hit on fully. Um, we hit Weisskopf, Reese. I don't think we got Bander Z, KJ Parker a little bit, Will Nolan, Drew Campbell, Josh Janowski, Rashad Godfrey, Xavier Williams, Bodie McCaslin, Cody Fox, Reese Taken. That's the rest of the the class that we haven't hit too in depth. Adam, are there any guys that you see on this list and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's a guy. Maybe I didn't talk about him when I said that's the most exciting guy I'm most excited about, but he's somebody that we definitely need to talk about today on on this podcast. Well, there's four of them on that list and they're all the offensive linemen. And, you know, that's not the sexiest position uh, to, to most people. It's pretty sexy to Iowa fans and it's pretty sexy to me too. And this is where you get a four-star like Cody Fox. This is where you get a four-star like Will Nolan. Like those guys on the exterior of that offensive line manning the tackle positions. Oh boy. That's that right there is the foundation of getting Iowa back to that dominant ground game. And then you add in guys like uh, Josh Janowski, Bodie McCaslin. These guys are nasty. They've got the footwork to be used in multiple ways. Like you can, you can pull with them. You can run some pretty unorthodox screen packages with getting your guard out, but keeping your tackle in, right? There's, there's so much versatility that you can do when guys come from these big programs that run complex offenses, and that's what you get from a bunch of these uh, uh, prospects. And so they don't have as big of a learning curve. They don't have as big of a competition curve to overcome. And not that that was ever a problem for a guy like, I don't know, Cooper DeGene, right? Like there's only so much that that can sort of hinder a, a player. But when you're, especially when you're playing on the line, it is better to be playing your high school, or I, I should say it's better for your development to be playing against those 250, 270-pound linemen in high school than to be going up against, you know, future farmers and truck drivers who are buck 75 soaking wet, you know, 5'7". And that's, you know, no disrespect to 1A again, but that is an easier ask for these offensive linemen as they get ready for the next level. And, you know, I'm again, this is recruiting. There's, you can't really make guarantees about anybody, but I look at those four as a unit. And if they're as bought in within four or five years as they are right now, like to a man, whenever you talk to them, if they're, if they stay that bought in, they stay healthy, if they stay on the grind, you know, we could be talking about this as one of those like iconic groups of linemen that, you know, was the same as 2002, 2003, even, you know, that 2009 unit, um, you know, those guys that really gelled and became something better than some of the parts. And so I look at that class and that group of offensive linemen and I, you know, it's hard not to see really, really high levels of production potentially in their future. They've got to go and get it. And the coaches have been telling them the same thing, but Elliot, they're capable. I, I really think they are. Who's, who's really uh who's blowing your skirt up? 
Well, I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> but, uh, but I, well, um, before. <laughs> You need a standing eight count for that one. Uh, oh boy. Okay. All right. So I want to I want to hit on this recruited this uh this group of offensive linemen quick. Will Nolan, Cody Fox, two four stars. That speaks for themselves. Cody Fox was the first recruit or yeah, recruit to commit in this class. Committed in 2021. Notre Dame wanted him really bad. And he was just like, Nope, going to Iowa. Um, Will Nolan, a guy that had some offers across the the Midwest. Um, Vanderbilt really liked him too, but again, Vanderbilt's not, you know, a great football program. Exactly. Josh Janowski. I'll, I'll say, I'll say a couple things about Janowski and McCaslin, though they aren't the four stars, the, the shiny four stars in this class. <laughs> when I look at Josh Janowski, I think of like, oh, that guy's a truck driver. So <laughs> do with that what you will. Maybe he'll drive make some holes in the, in the interior of the offensive line. He is definitely a guard. Doesn't really have that tackle height to him, size to him, but he will play guard. Um, I see him more as a, a surefire backup, probably more so than a starter. We'll see. Obviously he's got a lot of time. He's, he's just a senior, right? He's got a lot of time to, to step in and um, at a Lincoln way East, that's a really good high school football program. I think they got, they, we're runner up in the state in uh, in Illinois this year and last year um, before going or excuse me. Yeah, they went undefeated prior to that. And then with Bodie, I, I he looks very different in pads than he does without pads. Without pads, he looks like a guy in the marching band with uh, with the big drum, the bass drum to me. But he puts pads on his on and he's ferocious. He's a guy that I could see stepping in and playing tackle at, at some point in time as he continues to grow and, and to learn. He's he, he had a bunch of offers. He's a son of a former college football coach and player. Had offers from Colorado, Kansas, Kansas State, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Penn State, Purdue. Um, and then you know, Vanderbilt was in there as well. Um, they're, a, they're a power five program, but um, had a bunch of G5, G5 offers as well. Um, and then schools like Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Illinois showing interest. And I'm sure some of those schools would have offered had he not committed when he did. I think uh, Wisconsin probably would have stepped in. Illinois definitely would have stepped in. Iowa State definitely would have stepped in. Um, but uh, he was also very close to going to Kansas just because of that familial connection. He knew, I think, their offensive line coach really well, but felt like he could build his own relationship with with Coach Barnett. And that's one thing that has been said about this offensive line group. Well, not necessarily this offensive line group, but George Barnett has received quite a bit of heat for being the offensive line coach at Iowa and them not being dominant these last few years. He's getting his guys now. He's getting his guys. Cade Piper, Trevor Lauk, guys on the come up. Cade Piper specifically, a guy that really caught on this year. And I don't, did he, is he on the two deeps now, Adam? I think he is. Uh, he was at, by the end of the season. Yeah, he was. And uh, we okay. saw him on the field against uh, Nebraska, I believe, right? Yeah. At the end of that game. Was, uh, no, it was it was a home game, so it wasn't Nebraska. It might have been Rutgers, Illinois. Illinois one it might have been yeah. Rutgers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it was late in the year. Like, he did get on the field, which is pretty impressive. And, and, As a know, freshman? Yeah. Yeah. But he did not burn his red shirt. Um, I do believe he put on a ton of weight. I don't know if he went the full Jennings dunker mode nutritionally, but that was something we heard about with Jennings. Um, hopefully, hopefully Kate escapes without a, a kidney stone. Hopefully Jennings <laughs> escapes without a kidney stone on um, that <laughs> amount of protein, but um, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, um, I think 
these guys were really starting to see what Coach Barnett is capable of being a recruiter, one, and getting buy-in, two. And I think we're really going to start to see the fruits of his labor start to show here soon in these next few classes. He's not going anywhere as long as Kirk Ferentz is around. I'll tell you that. Kirk Ferentz is a George Barnett believer. Um, now, for the guys who blow my skirt up, is that what you said? It's 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 an old term. Okay. All right. I know the Marilyn Monroe thing, like meme, yeah. I guess. Um, but to me, one guy that I don't think we've hit on at all is, is Rashad Godfrey. I uh, went back and watched his senior film as I was writing his commitment article or his signing article, rather. And I just think he's gotten better in terms of speed. He's a great, good open field tackler. He's another guy that needs to put on some size to be able to play, but I think he's going to be a good corner. I think the comp is Deshaun Lee for now. Deshaun Lee's a good corner who's going to continue to grow and could be great at Iowa. Um, and I think that's Rashad Godfrey as well. I think Godfrey's faster. I think Godfrey is has better ball skills um, at this point in his recruitment. Um, he's a guy that was almost nabbed by either Louisville, Kansas State, or Oregon State. All three of those schools offered him after he committed to Iowa. Um, and they were pushing for him. I, I don't know that he went on a visit. That was a, a conversation that was going on for a little while from our national or regional analyst, Adam Gurney, who reported that he didn't post anything about going on visits. He made a visit to Iowa later in the year, did photo shoots, all that, went to a basketball game um, and uh, stayed with his recruitment, got really close with Jalen Watson, uh, especially on the official visit. So I think those guys are going to be Two, two really good corners. Those are the only DBs they brought in in this class, um, but I think they're both going to be good. I don't see Godfrey as a guy that's going to play early on just because he's slight of frame, um, but he does have ball skills. He has speed. He's willing to tackle in the open field, and he's really good in zone coverage. Armwood played zone, zone coverage this year, and he's really good at sticking to his assignment, has the speed, has the ball skills to recover in being in zone, and I, I think he's Assuming he puts on the weight, puts on obviously the healthy weight and is able to uh, learn and grow and pick up things like he did at Armwood. I think he's I think he's going to be a guy who could play fairly early or at least have the confidence to um, once he once he starts to build that physical build a little bit more. And one more KJ Parker that we that we didn't hit on. Um He's a guy, the other receiver addition to Reese Vanderzee, who we barely kind of hit for a moment. Vanderzee, one thing that Tyler Barnes said is that if we could get five of him every recruiting class, that would be ideal because Vanderzee can do a bunch of different things. He's got track speed. He played quarterback this year for Central Lion um, because just well, just out of necess necessity, um, Zach Lutmer was quarterback the year prior, Iowa, a uh, true freshman. Um he and Graham even are coming in from central lion, even as a walk on, but Vander Z is a guy that you probably want to be your X receiver. If he's not an X, maybe he grows into a tight end. Um, but just by way of his ability to put weight on, but he's your X that this team didn't have this year. Um, go up and get a guy, a guy on the outside that you can have, uh, your quarterback throw to in the, you know, back corner of the end zone. Um, but he, uh, it, well, because of that, unless Iowa gets a guy like that in the portal, he's another guy that could see some time, probably not as a freshman, but earlier on, once he puts on that weight, puts on that strength and and can, you know, sharpen up his routes because his routes didn't have to be sharp at Central Lion. They will at Iowa. KJ Parker, yeah. 
a guy that's uh, probably going to play slot, uh, you know, the Arlen Bruce type uh, or or uh, Caleb Brown type. Um, I think he could return punts. He has the versatility. I mean, obviously they were recruiting him as a safety at one point. Then they wanted him as 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 a D or excuse me as a receiver. They are offered him in 2021, so they offered him pretty early out of uh, oh uh, IC Prep in Chicago. Eric Carner was a guy that they offered out of that school as well. He's going to Texas A&M. Dom Hulak is another guy that they offered from that school. He's committed to uh, Notre Dame. So this is a school that has been repeatedly among the best in Chicago. Um, and and KJ is one of the best athletes in the city of Chicago. Um, and another kid that loves football, another kid that's excited to be a Hawk. Um, one thing that he told me a couple of times in our interview after he committed was, I just know I'm going to be well taken care of at Iowa. Um, and uh, Parker's KJ is a, a, a fun kid to talk to as well. Kid that you want to see succeed. Um, so, I mean, I, you want to hit on Drew Campbell? That's one more that we got to hit on. Yeah. Didn't talk uh, about well, much. Yeah, let me just circle back to the um, the the note about Vanderzee. You know, why stop at five? Just put put twenty six <laughs> of them on the roster, and then you can go from Vander A to Vander Z, right? Ah, uh, there we go, Elliot. Anyway, no. Uh, in seriousness, we we talk about the the other guys in units, and, and one name that we haven't really mentioned is Xavier Williams at, in that backfield. Uh, you know, you you talk about a guy who, uh, you know, sort of got a little bit of a reputation as the guy who isn't Revendall, even though he was the first to uh, accept the uh, scholarship offer. And boy, you know, he's as um. Tyler Burns said, you know, he's, he's probably not going to be that sub 11 hundred meter dash sort of guy, but he's fast, you know, he's not slow and it's easy to look at somebody like that. Who's probably going to grow into like a 235, uh, maybe even 240 pound weapon in the backfield and say, all right, you know, like I, I know what we're going to get out of this guy, but you watch his highlights and he has some elusiveness between the tackles. He has that ability to turn five yards into 15 yards into 20, 30 more, right? The the comp that we got was LaShawn Daniels. And, you know, you can see it, especially with, you know, I, I don't think he's quite as, you know, long and lean as LaShawn was, but he's a guy that has not only that ability to put his, you know, pads down and, and run you over, but he'll run by you too. Right, you do have to play really disciplined football against a guy like this, and when you do play that, you know that um, disciplined football, you're rewarded with the opportunity to tackle a guy who's basically, you know, a bowling ball with butcher knives. Right, that that classic, like impossible to tackle. You don't even want to do it. So the fact that I was going to get him and Brevendahl in the same backfield, probably not on the field at the same time, but adds both of those elements and really two guys that complement each other pretty well, but also complement their own skill sets pretty well. Brev, you know, like I mentioned, Xavier has a little bit of that jump, a little bit of that juice, you know, has a little bit of that speed. Brev is more durable, especially like, with shedding tackles, shedding contact, 
doesn't really get credit for that part uh, of that ability to get those extra yards once that contact hits. But that's something that really impressed me when he was at Adele was watching him not get, you know, crushed at the line. His ability to just wiggle his way through, just that nose for those extra yards. And so if you have one of these two guys go out or like move positions or whatever, it doesn't create this vacuum of skill with the other guy. And so I think independently, you can have a Xavier Williams in your class. You can have a Brevin Dahl in your class and be like, that's a good addition. And that guy brings more to the table than he's probably going to get, get credit for. The fact that you're bringing them both in gives this offense a whole lot of versatility. So I know these coaches are excited about that. Williams is a guy that can make my guys miss laterally too. Um, yeah. It's explosive. Not exactly straight line speed like a Brevin Dahl who ran 10-7 in the 100, but he's a guy who's laterally quick and will pop you in the mouth. I mentioned Cam Buffington be a guy you don't want to be tackled by. Xavier Williams is kind of like, I got to tackle this guy again. Like, like yeah. one of those. I, I didn't play football very long, but I very vividly remember going. I, I was also the kid who, I mean, I weighed 5'6", or I, I weighed 5'6". I was 5'6", 120 as a freshman in a high school, maybe like 115, 110. So I didn't like tackling in general. But, you know, there are some guys it's like, oh, and not again. And and Williams is one of those guys. You get matched up with him one-on-one in the open field, and it's like uh, you get a little nervous, get a little scared because he's going to pop you. But that that's Xavier Williams for sure. And the last one that we haven't hit on too much, like I mentioned momentarily, was was Drew Campbell. Went to his signing today. He's a 5'6 defensive – yeah, 5.6 uh, defensive end, 5.6 rating, three-star um, defensive end. Yes, the younger brother of Jack Campbell. Um, Drew is a guy that has the potential to play three different positions at Iowa. He doesn't know what he's going to play yet. He's listed as a defensive end on, on rivals, could play defensive end. He's also heard about the potential to play linebacker. He's also heard about the potential to play offensive line at Iowa. So they're going to see how he continues to develop. I imagine he'll start off at defensive end just because of the numbers that he put up this season and last. Um, I'd have to look again. You wrote that article, didn't you, Adam, on his signing? Do you know his stats off the top of your head? Oh, not off the top of my head, but they, they were improved and, and he was tremendously productive. Like this, this is not a project sort of thing. He, he was putting up big, big numbers and, the film backs it up too. He's chaotic. He's disruptive. He, I mean, you, he's another one of those guys. You give him one look at the QB and he is laser focused on bringing him down or, you know, one look at the ball here, but if he's got a straight line at him, you know, that he's going to play until the echo of the whistle and, and he's going to be swiping for the ball too. He's a uh, little, little bit more of a, um, Scandinavian honey badger. I mean, I, I guess not everybody from northern, from the north half of Iowa is Scandinavian, but you know what I mean, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> he, he's that kind of, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to make a play, and no one out there is going to stop me. And that's kind of what you want on the defensive line. I'm, I was a little bit surprised to hear that they're looking at him as a potential offensive lineman, too, because just his productivity off of that edge seems like something that you wouldn't want to outthink yourself on. Right. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I, I don't see offensive line, um, but I, we're also, you know, writers and podcast hosts. Like, like right. <laughs> what do we know? Um, when you talk about productivity at defensive end, uh, 64 and a half tackles, six sacks, 21 and a half tackles for loss. I think he yeah. had something crazy like that last year, too, for Cedar Falls. Only played D end, moved around. I guess I think he might have gotten some snaps and D tackle this year too. But they moved around on the on the defensive line. He did not play offense, I think, at all. Um, yeah, I, I for some reason was thinking maybe he played tight end, but no, he he didn't play offensive line in in high school at all. So he'd have some learning to do. Um, not saying that they can't do that by any means, but I, I see him as as defensive end more more likely than anything. Um, but you know, there's there's lots of possibility there. Uh, I think he could probably play linebacker. I don't know that he has the speed for that. Yeah. Um. But you watch him play, and it's like that kid's power five. That kid's power five. Um. I, I, he has grown quite a bit as a leader this year. Um. He's six four two thirty five. To me, that's defensive end. You know, you put him on the yeah. other side of of Chima or or Joseph Anderson, and you know, I mean, they rotate right. They rotate guys in and out on a defensive line. And and he's a guy that that could eventually definitely contribute at, at one point uh, sooner rather than later. He is the number six prospect in the state of Iowa. Um, to hit on that momentarily, Iowa got one, two, three, four, five, six, six of the top 10 recruits in the state of Iowa seven of the top 11 um and oh, this class is really good grant breaks is the number one yeah he's headed to nebraska he went above cody fox because he waited to commit i'm not saying yep. he's not better than cody fox but that's why i can tell you that off of off the bat uh, um the other one is uh carson brune who we had higher than quite a few other um outlets which was a surprise to me he's number five i would probably have him in the lower half of the top 10, Jacob Simpson was the other one at nine and Keaton Roskop was at seven. Who's headed to Iowa state. Uh, it's kind of an odd sequencing by us. In my opinion, I would have Brevin Dahl higher. I'd probably have Preston Reese higher, but um, Iowa got the number two, three, four, six, eight, ten, 10 and 11. Uh, or yes, 10 and 11 players in the class. Um, so, a really, a really solid class. I mean, you'd have to think that they got some really good guys and top guys in, in other states that they brought in as well, in, in Illinois in particular. Um, but really, really solid class. Excited to see what they do. I'm excited to see where they go transfer portal-wise, um, if they end up doing that at all. I mean, we heard that today, um, that, that Barnes said he's been really focused on bringing those guys back, the six guys. So we'll see how things transpire more than likely after the bowl uh, to see who they go after in the portal, if they will at all. But uh, the off season hasn't technically started, but it's also technically started and there's, there's more work to do heading into 2024. Uh, Adam, anything else you wanted to add on this class before we get out of here? Yeah. I just want to point out that, especially now that we heard one, we heard from Tyler Barnes that they basically had this Aussie punter restake and uh, sewn up for a few months now. And we only uh, we as uh, press members only heard about him when he made that public. And I, that honestly 
makes a whole lot more sense than the notion that there was this absolute cannon-legged Aussie guy that had somehow flown entirely under the radar until there were three days left in the signing uh, cycle and, or the uh, recruiting cycle. And then Iowa of all schools finds him. Right? Like that timeline didn't make a whole lot of sense. The fact that Iowa found him, basically secured him and then just sat on him for months makes more sense. And, and is honestly pretty impressive to see. Uh, but now, so let's, take um dakin's date you know his committal date let's say it's four months so let's push that one back to august that meant that this entire class was done before the football team played a single snap of the 2023 season all done no drama no decommits no any you know there weren't any hat ceremonies and and the coaches have basically said yeah it's fine if you do that we're not judging it per se but it's uh, i think they're they're saying we're really glad we don't have to deal with any of that this year and i even asked kirk about that and said is this something you sort of planned and they found 21 different guys that are iowa guys they found and and that's not to say it's all one personality because I mean, gosh, how many of these guys have we talked to? There, there's a lot of different personalities. But when it comes to football, when it comes to the things that these guys prioritize, especially a coach who won't BS you, uh, very family, uh, you know, involve the parents, uh, sort of environment, stability, um, program culture, you know, accountability. You know, we hear about these things from these players all the time. And it's one thing when they've got coaches in their ears, like their own coaches, before they talk to the press. But when even the recruits are saying these things and saying that that's why I picked Iowa was this family environment, you know, that should be all the proof anybody needs, if anybody did need any proof, that this isn't just lip service, that this isn't just... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll find a way to praise these guys, even though they're three stars. These are Iowa football guys. These are guys who want to develop and and want to learn and are uh, open to coaching because a lot of top prospects aren't. A lot of top prospects believe that they know better than the guys that are recruiting them. Uh, you talk about, you know, those those bad habits that some of these guys have. Um, you know, a lot of that just sort of comes down to trusting themselves more than trusting the people that are supposed to be helping them grow. And you look up and down this list and it's just Hawkeye guy, Hawkeye guy, Hawkeye guy. Two of them, you know, were locked up as freshmen, didn't want any drama, didn't court any drama. And you look at a guy like Cody Fox, his rating I mean, you sort of touched on this earlier. He went from a top 100 guy when he committed to out of the top 250 by his senior year. And that's because he had no recruiting buzz because he didn't want any. And I'm, I'm not saying this to rag on rivals because this is just sort of, by and large, the the method makes sense. But when none of the other coaches in D1 feel like recruiting you because they know <laughs> You are 100%, 1,000% committed to Iowa. There's not going to be any buzz. And so those, these guys that are, you know, your late bloomers, these guys are 
getting these camp invites late, of course they're going to move up in the buzz. Of course they're going to move up in the rankings because all of a sudden they've got a number of offers that these I'm done with it now guys don't. And so, I mean, if anything, the fact that these guys are so committed to taking care of their business as opposed to trying to boost their national profile as recruits. And we've seen it happen a few times too, even with guys that were good, you know, guys for Iowa to land. It doesn't make these guys bad players, but it does mean that there's only so much that you should be trusting these star ratings when ultimately these are 21 guys that Iowa really, really wanted, had them locked up early. And that was that. This is such a Kirk Ferentz class. It's insane. And that part, more than the stars, more than the ranks, more than what do they look like when they're 17, I think that's going to bear itself out over these next five years. And I I am confident, not certain, but I'm confident that barring disaster, people are going to look back at this class and be like, oh, yeah, there was something cooking here. Would you agree with that assessment? Or am I am I making any sense, Elliot? No, you. I think you nailed it. I, I look at this class and I see Kirk Ferentz guy, Kirk Ferentz guy, Kirk Ferentz guy, Kirk Ferentz guy, just down the line. Um, to, I think that's a pretty good way to wrap it up. Um, and a good way to wrap it up the podcast because I had to get going to Iowa City for uh, Iowa versus UMBC men's basketball, a riveting matchup in Carver Hawkeye Arena tonight. So we'll wrap it up here. We appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Hotcast. Before you go, especially if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Drop a like, drop a comment. Who do you think is the best get in this 2024 class? Who are you most excited about? Drop a comment. Let us know who and why. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcasting platform, also make sure you subscribe there. Hit that rate and review. Helps us out a lot. That five-star review gets us expanded to other Iowa fans that can listen, tune in, bounce ideas off of us and off of you. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can do that today. You can get way more recruiting content from us, not only for the 2024 class, but going forward, and we've got way more content coming on this 2024 class. Previews for positions, who we're most excited about, and we're expanding way more than we did here on today's podcast. You can subscribe at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. We appreciate you doing that, and we would love to have you there. For now, I'm Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by Adam Jacoby, our publisher at Go Iowa Awesome. And for now, we will see you next time.